When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is Adam Mitchell. You're listening to Tom and Zeus and the Shout It Out Loudcast. Rock on! Oh boy. Here we go. Boy. Pressing the button, Star Simmons, Star, Stanley, Stanley, stop shouting! He's not what you would call a handsome man. Oh no, here come the kiss time. Is that a positive thing? Okay. Alright. But it grab me a nice cold mellow Why? Why do that to the fans? Stop it. Why? Because fuck them. Six one seven five two five zero. You do? Hey, fucko! Do you like this? Settle down. Hello, hey, what's up there, Kiss Army? Tom and Zeus in another episode of Shout It Out Loudcast, episode two thirty two. Holly Knight, the great Holly Knight, comes on Shout It Out Loudcast, Tom. Yeah, great interview. Tons of great information. Good kiss stories. She's awesome. And we'll get into all of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it seems like we're a little bit on a roll here. We had the Bruce interview out of control, which was last week. uh, The feedback on that is out of control. And uh, the great Holly Knight telling us some crazy stories. Oh, yeah. Good stuff. Good, good stuff. uh, We asked her Dig a little into it and get a little more details about certain few things. So we think you're going to like it. So yep. uh, before we go forward, we go backwards. So, Tom, what did we have a poll about last week? Oh, God. So we did the classic 1980 Peter Chris out of control solo album. And uh, we did the poll. Which of these is your favorite? And I put favorite in, in quotes because I don't know if anybody has a favorite, but maybe they do. And the choices were out of control, in trouble again, by myself, and there's nothing better. <laughs> and the title track won with 32%, in trouble again at 26 there's nothing better at 23 and by myself at 20%. Which so is kind- funny, because when I did it as the Instagram post, by myself won. I can't believe that. That just shows you that everybody on Instagram is drunk. I don't get it. That's I insane. think they just pressed the first, whatever yeah. is listed first. A couple of comments here are great. My, Matt Murphy, please do not make us do this again. Thank you. <laughs> uh, our buddy West Beach, I laughed throughout the whole episode as the songs and lyrics kept getting cheesier and cheesier. But goddamn, there's nothing better than you. As banal as it is lyrically, is catchy as all hell, and you just can't help sing along. Damn you, Peter. That's exactly right. Let's. <laughs> Dr. Two, I thought by myself might get the first 0%. I I think people must feel sorry for it since it's so wimpy. Hashtag 
Jesus Christ, Mike. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Mike. Jesus Christ. Somebody's got to get in there and change these songs or we're fucked. Let's get them now. Uh, Scott Sunders. Can I vote for Zeus singing? There's nothing better. There's nothing better than you. (laughs) Okay. I thought you guys liked it when I sang it. (laughs) Oh, Oh, my God. All right. Our buddy Nige. Can we please instigate a rule? I think he means initiate a rule, but that's okay. That says from now on, you're only allowed to review absolutely terrible albums because this episode was a riot. Love it, gents. And we'll finish with this comment from Rocksteady1976. I met Deborah Chris when she and Peter lived in Redondo Beach, California. Deborah worked at the beautiful counter in Nordstrom's, and she was so happy that we knew a lot about Kiss and Peter. Deborah walked all over the Nordstrom's talking about Peter Chris and Bob Kulik. Wow. Interesting. Well, that wraps up nicely with the other episode we just recently did. Uh, so that's what we got for Twitter. Yeah. We, Tom and uh, well, me specifically been sending to, uh, Tom some Deborah Jensen <laughs> photos because she is smoking. Oh, God. Yes, she oh, is. Look like a Cheryl Ladd lookalike. Yeah, exactly. Love yes. Cheryl yep. Ladd. Oh. Yep. Yep. Over on the Book of Face, Bruce Foudy. So after hearing your review on this album, I may have to rethink my life choices since I really like this album. The reason I like it is because it's catchy to your point. These are not songs I actively search for or go out of my way to play it. But when it comes on, I find myself singing along and turning it up. Exactly. I yep. agree the, that he should have come out with something more rocking. But considering the time and his natural style, oh, yeah, the cocaine, I don't think it would have sounded better or sold better. Mm. Nice. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yep. The great Mark Flores music, Tom. Uh, yes. <laughs> put an I found love thing together. It's a, it's a lot of fun. It's like a video of Richard Simmons and the gang dancing to I found love. Well, we got a lot of great videos. We'll get into that. Yeah. And he also mentioned in Zeus, your impression of a singing this album sounds like Curly from the three Stooges having a stroke. Sure. It doesn't sound like the Curly shuffle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're doing the curly shuffle. One of the most horrendously hilarious songs ever. The curly shuffle. Adam Nirenberg says, Oh my God, I had an hour drive to meet a friend on Saturday night. So I decided to listen to review the portion of the show while driving. Thank you for about an hour that I will never get back. (laughs) I bought Out of Control the day came out as a Rabbit 13 0 Kiss fanatic. I played it once. Never played it again. This episode reminded me why. Oh, come on, Adam. There's nothing better than you. Ryan Spencer, Cook, Cronin, Tweed, Simmons, Stanley, Chris Cola, George, Peter, John. <laughs> Rough. This was like Sonny Pooney reviewing grunge albums. A lot of funny quotes from you guys. Really fun episode. The only difference is the grunge albums are awesome. Exactly. Uh, Mike Throne, a duet with Jan Terry would have been perfect oh. on the gem of an album. There's nothing better than this sewer pipe, baby. 
Why is there a sewer pipe in her video? Because <laughs> um, that's where she lives. Yeah. <laughs> hey, push over. You gotta get next to the sewer pipe. Denise. <laughs> over on Loudcasters, Jack Pinocchio. Peter Chris is going to get an influx of two ninety nine out of nowhere from Spotify playing this album this week, and America's favorite realtor Joey Romanik chimes in and says he's pr- probably wondering. Why the hell this record is getting a bunch of plays this week? It's true. Seriously, if he checks his stats online, why are people listening to this? I don't know, Peter. Why are people listening to this? Ruben Mosquito said, I've had this disc for years. I haven't listened to this more than three times in all those years. I've listened to that album seven to eight times since the episode. It's good. Blame the guys if this thing goes gold. (laughs) That's awesome. Over on our Instagram page, Hot Damn Kenny Boy says, I'm a Chris Tard, but this <laughs> album sucks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Gore Hog 1976. Oh, Jesus. I'll listen to the podcast, but I refuse to listen to the album. LOL. I still ask myself, why do I own this on vinyl? <laughs> then I remember. It's hard. I'm with you, brother. I own it too. Dewey Liam. Oh, how that I say it. I'm saying it incorrectly. Damn, Zeus. I know you guys aren't crazy about Ace, to put it mildly, but calling this album better than Trouble Walking? Wow, that's harsh. But I love Trouble Walking, so maybe I'm biased. I'd like to see you guys tackle Eric Carr's Arcologies. No idea. Uh, it existed until recently found it on Spotify. Yeah, you should get that. It's pretty cool. It's good. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know because I've been listening to Out of Control. There's always a recency bias that we have when we review albums. Always. I don't have a problem really with Trouble Walking either. And maybe next week I'll have it above Out of Control. I just like Peter's voice and that's yeah. it. Yep. Um, the other day we did something with our buddy Brad uh, Rustoven. And, uh, you know, it got me thinking maybe I was wrong. Who knows? Yeah. But that's the fun of doing these things. Mm-hmm. All right. Over on YouTube. And Tom, I put the clips in last week. I ain't doing it this week. You created a monster. Everybody wanted it back. Yeah. Uh, we'll Too see. Bad. <laughs> Patrick 2420. I can't tell you how excited I was when I saw the title of this episode. It probably has a lot to do with the fact that I haven't gone back to season one and started listening to it. All the episodes of over again. You guys have had some great guests, but the best episodes are the ones like these that you get back to the essence of the show. Well, that's that's nice. Mm. Thanks, Patrick. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate that. Jay Rucker. I've only heard a song or two from this album, and after hearing 
snippets of every song. I went on eBay and bought a copy. Ooh. I can understand how people don't like it, but man, I really dig it because it's mainly because Peter is definitely one of my favorite singers ever. And if someone else sung these songs, I probably wouldn't have enjoyed them. Great show as always, guys. I agree with you, Jay. I, I don't think it's the songs. I think it's Peter. No. And I'm a fan of his, and I want him to do well, and I want to like these things. Mm-hmm. Glam Rock Bandit. Doing leg day as I listen to this episode, and man, I need to be careful because this got a lot of laughs for me. I'm surprised I didn't fall over mid-rep. There's nothing better, especially had me rolling. I hope that it becomes a recurring theme, like when you reference Pepe Castro uh, has become without any, without fail. Every time it was brought up, it cracked me up. Uh, Tom, what song is that that cracks him up? There's nothing better than you, babe. <laughs> He's right. We, we've had these pr- issues before where people have come close to injuring themselves or getting into car accidents. We are not responsible for what you do during the listening of this podcast. Zeus is an attorney, so he will. Yeah, there's fine print, and you'll see it. In, yeah, there's uh, fine print at the very bottom of the our, episode. On our website. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, just about dropped the weight hearing my comment on Twitter oh, right out loud. <laughs> Definitely a highlight for me. Granted, I'm certainly biased there. All in all, killer episode as always. As Kane Roberts would say, RTFO, Tom and Zeus. And remember. There's nothing better than you guys. <sighs> they say we broke all the rules. Oh, jeez. It's a little Dean Martin-ish, Tom, the way I'm doing it. I know. <laughs> Mr. Chat. Mr. Your thing, B, and I don't approve. She's got a big, beautiful... <laughs> I can't do that. No, I don't. Um... Really can't do it. Paul Russell, 1596. 100% boogie nights. Feel, 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 feel my heat. Are we rolling on the rehearsal, Nick? Peter and Stan doing more blow than Dirk Diggler and Reed Rothschild. (laughs) Nice reference. Cody Burnett. In Trouble Again sounds like a song Peter would have brought in from rock and roll all over. And as soon as he told Paul, he had a song. Paul saying to himself, fuck you. You're never going to record a song that has had a chance to be more successful than any of mine. There's that animosity. Fuck you, Peter. I'm not putting that song. Fuck you, Peter. Fuck you, Paul. Our buddy, Marty White. So I got discharged from the hospital on Wednesday. That's great to hear, buddy. Nice. Then I was exposed to out of control. <laughs> I may need to readmit myself. Part of me hopes that one day you'll review one for all. We'll get there. We'll, we'll get, get there. there. We're going to get to all of them. Uh, pretty Boy Floyd MS. Oh, These no. Fucking names. Ace by myself. <laughs> fucking Paul and Gene. You guys had me crying. By the way, what the fuck happened to my name on YouTube? It's Mark Stewart. I don't know. Everybody's name is fucked up on YouTube. This yep. is what comes into us. Yep. So I don't know what's going on. Uh, Pete Gibbons. Every time someone combines Rolf the Muppet Dog and Skinner in a song, Guys, I can't even finish that sentence without laughing. You guys <laughs> are like two old douchebags on the Muppet Show balcony. Oh, yeah. Bags on everything and makes themselves laugh. No offense, but I mean that as a compliment. Love the show that you can spend an hour and a half on a 43-year-old dumpster fire of an album. Love the show. Waldorf and Statler, the two old 
bastards. That's us. Yep. Yep. Tom, I'm going to give it over to you. Uh, by the way, what do you call it is on fire. Uh, YouTube this week. So thank you guys. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. We'll blow through a couple emails here. Our buddy, Nicola Cassieri. Hey guys, entertaining episode. You guys have a great way of making even the most questionable of material entertaining. I found myself laughing several times while listening this morning. Last year at Creatures Fest, I had a few minutes with Peter. It was my second time meeting him, and both times he was personable, gracious, and engaging. I made a comment to him that I believe is relevant to today's episode. As KISS fans, we want Peter to always be our Catman and sound like Black Diamond or Baby Driver. But after reading Peter's autobiography, I have come to appreciate that his solo records are very authentic to who he is as a person and a musician. I remember at Creatures Fest, Sister's Doll was playing a completely rockin' set. In the middle, Peter came out and performed words and a few other songs, completely slowing the pace of the show down. Peter left the stage and Sisters Doll went back to rock on the rest of their set. Thanks for another good week of listening. All right. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. This comes from our website. You can message us directly on our website. This comes from Angel Canino. This was classic. Laugh out loud classic. One of the best ever. Oh, thank you. Our buddy David Clark. Tom and Zeus, it's been a tough year for many of us, myself included. Want you to know that your podcast has been something that I've looked forward to every week for a break, for great stories, and for a load of laughs. Thanks for making the life journey a little easier for so many of us. It is appreciated. Best, David Clark. Thank you, brother. Appreciate those kind yeah, words always. Doing better, brother. Thank you. Finish up with this one from Mike S. Coming at us from our website again, shoutoutloudcast.com. This is the real Peter, which, in my opinion, is a musician that I would never be interested in. Yet, when he was under the thumb of Paul and Gene, they were able to squeeze a great rock vocalist and drummer out of him. It underscores how much these guys were able to get the best out of each other's in the most demented way. Ace was a lazy ass with immense natural talent, and Paul and Gene's treating him as a less than help forced him to overachieve and become an incredible influence in the guitar world. Paul somehow kept Gene's ego and greed from killing the whole project, and Paul was so damaged that his inability to have human relationships made Kiss his only chance at social acceptance, so he spent his life keeping it going. Yes, I love Kiss, but I think my twisted pleasure is loving them more as an incredible social experiment. What magic that four people so messed up would fit together like a puzzle to make something so spectacular. And thankfully, the original members have kept that part of the show going for all these years. And now I have a podcast that brings it to my ears with humor and camaraderie that makes me feel like I'm a junior high all over again. Priceless. Thank you and great episode. Thank you, my friend. That's a great email. Appreciate that. And we are going to finish up our feedback with a DM we received on Facebook from Brian Gray. Hey, guys, just finished listening to Peter Chris out of control review. I can't express how happy I was to see another album review from our favorite Catman so soon. I'm a huge Peter Chris fan, so I was expecting some love for the album from Zeus. And of course, Zeus and I are simpatico when it comes to Peter. On the other hand, Tom was an enigma. I expect him to shit all over it because of the simplicity of the music and lyrics, and he did. But I was surprised and delighted and laughed out loud when he commented on how these songs just burrow into your head and you can't help but sing them. The hooks and melodies can't be denied. Another stellar show, guys. There's nothing better than you. I have a visual for you. Put Tom and Zeus in a car on a road trip. Of course, Zeus in the driver's seat puts in the Out of Control album. Tom sits there with his arms crossed, refusing to sing. Then, cut to the next scene, like Tommy Boy. You see Tom and Zeus singing. 
there's nothing better than you. Smiling and pointing at each other. Peace out, boys. Your friend, Brian Gray. My friends call me B. Yeah, B. Great message. I love the Tommy Boy reference. It's perfect. Brian Gray, thank you so much for a fun and awesome message. You, my friend, are comment of the week. Good answer. Good answer. I like the way you think. I'm going to be watching you. <laughs> and Tom, what we do next is we give a shout out to Patreon. Tom, we didn't get anybody this week. Who am I kidding? Another three people, Tom. <laughs> Incredible, dude. Incredible. So what's always interesting is sometimes we'll get people that join Patreon and we've never seen them interact with us, but they're just fans of the show. Yep. So Mark Schull, Spaceman, Freddie Martinez, who we've met twice, once at Creatures Fest and the other was at the uh, Gene event. Yep. And he runs a, a company, uh, I think a Latino company, right? That he makes That's right. produces records. That's Freddy right. Records, right? Yep. Great guy. Love Freddie. Oh, he's awesome. Yep. And then our buddy John Gross, who, and I'm assuming it's Gross, not Gross. And if I'm butchering your name, John, I apologize. We always interact with John online. Yes. So John comes in as a demon. So we got John, Freddie, and Mark, all new Patreon members. Guys, thank you. You guys are really helping out the show. We really appreciate when you do that. The family keeps growing, and it's awesome. It's a a fun community, and you that are listening out there, if you want to join, you go to our website, shoutitoutloudcast.com. Go to the landing page. There's a a button right there. It'll say Patreon. Click on that. There are four different tiers, and each tier has perks from us. So whether it's show involvement, polls, uh, merch, uh, videos, uh, just, but everybody gets something and it's a fun community. The message boards on there are fucking hilarious. And it really does mean a lot to us. And it's the best way to help us out. Uh, you want the show to continue to grow and get stars and people like Bruce and Holly Knight and more. Well, Helping the show with Patreon is a great way to do that. And we appreciate it. And you guys are helping us out. And we hope that it's a win-win because our Patreon people are so awesome. We always like to give back to them. And we always want to make them uh, feel appreciated because they are the best. And we can't thank them enough. So thank you, Mark, Freddie, and John. Yes, a huge debt of gratitude to all the Patreons. You guys are amazing. We say this every week, and we never get tired of it because you guys are amazing. And, of course, a massive shout-out to our new Patreon family members, Mark, Freddie, John. Thank you so much. Your contributions to the show, not just you new people, but everybody else has been here since day one. It's incredible what you're doing to help the show grow and the generosity and the family that we've grown. So continued gratitude to all of you, but especially to Mark, Freddie, and John for being our newest family members. Tom, what we do next is we hop and skip and a jump over to Kiss World. So what's going on in Kiss World, Tom? Nothing quiet other than the tour of still over in Europe. Uh, so not much action other than the tour. Uh, some 
Kiss adjacent news. Our buddy uh, Gene Simmons and the boys from Moneybag Sodas have introduced a new flavor, Blood Orange. Uh, so keep an eye out for that if you're a fan of the Moneybag Soda. We love those guys and we love the soda. Um, that's kind of about it. Really, it's kind of quiet around here. So uh, I don't know if that's good or bad. Uh, two things that came to mind. Paul got yeah. photos with Jimmy Page. Oh, yeah. Very nice. And anytime he can, he loves to get that photo. He he really fanboys about Jimmy Page. And, and I won't fault Paul for that. It's Jimmy yeah, Page. And Jimmy has the same look on his face. He just has the gray hair, but he has the same look. There's also a video of, uh, I don't know if you saw that, of Jimmy Page watching them play. Yes. And very they, cool. Jimmy's like nodding, uh, going along and. He's probably Jimmy Page is probably sitting there going, Jesus Christ, Robert Plant is alive. Why aren't we doing this? For exactly. God's sake, he must be like, look at all these people admiring right. them going out on their own right. terms and kind of. He must be just like, like, what the fuck? Why the, am I watching other people? What have you done in your in your last 25, 30 years in your career, Jimmy? Oh, I just been remastering Zeppelin albums. That's Why it. You want something else. Imagine that. I know, really. It's it's a shame. It's a sh- oh god. I can't even want to get into it because it's, uh, it's a shame. And the next thing I was going to talk about, it's just been so. Um, our buddy Ace uh, has had some videos. His his girlfriend is not helping him out. I don't know what she's doing. Who Steven Tyler? <laughs> I think someone nicknamed her Medusa. I don't know what they're talking about. I think she's hot. I think she's beautiful. Oh, what? She's hot. I think his girlfriend's hot. God almighty. She's got a little bit of an uh, overbite. No, an underbite. Underbite. Yeah, she fucking catches rainwater with that thing, for God's (laughs) sakes. <laughs> You're an ass. <laughs> oh, 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 I'm an ass. Oh, okay. misogynist. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> what Meanwhile, I'm like, oh, I'd love to bang her. Jeez, I'd love but to not bang her. Not after Ace's banger. No thanks. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> ah, I think I just gave you gonorrhea that I got from the 70s. Um, just, you know, first of all, she, she starts every one of those live videos with her narrating her face. Oh. It just aggravates uh, like half the people and then just it's not helping ace with ticket sales i can tell you that there's nobody that sees these and it's like oh i need to go now when you watch these video when you watch that video all i was thinking to myself um, this is what an episode of the uncle ace tv show would be yeah. just, just just this would be the show and she's like hey say hi <laughs> like he doesn't even know how to say like hi. Fucking held like a like a ninety year old grandmother going down a flight of stairs, two steps. Like hold Seriously. on, give me a hand. I, it's a little slippery here. Actually, Ace, it's one step out of your it's Winnebago. Just, you know him. She wants a rocket ride. Yes, the band is going like fucking twenty miles an hour on the on the highway. And the crowd, I told you, the crowd, it's like when you go to like an aquarium and you're just watching and you're just like, oh, yeah, that's a, okay. Yeah. What? Like, the, like the, the, there's people like that looks like they're trying to get into it, but it's, it's like, yeah, that, that's Ace. I remember what, I remember him. It's just. It's, it, it, it's painful because he, he doesn't look good. His band is so kick ass too. They're oh, they're awesome. awesome. Guys. Those, guys, those guys are great. I want to like this. Yes, but obviously he has something going on physically. Yeah, he's old. Well, it's not just that he's old. He's got some sort of 
ailments going on. And I don't know because he's, he's, there's he's nobody some... that snuck this info to us. No, no. But God, I no. feel that, you know, he's he, or he may not be drinking, but he's on some sort of medication that's fucking him up because he, he, I don't know if he's on uh, antidepressants or something or muscle relaxers or whatever. But he's up there singing everything. Like, it's just, dude, he makes like fucking, I don't know, like Joe Biden look like fucking Arnold in his prime. <laughs> like, it's rough. It's rough. Hey, and this, like, just rip it out. Okay. Rip my heart. You wanted it from the start. <laughs> Got it. Now, like he's doing like never mind slow, but he's doing like the Vince Neil every other lyric and just we were talking about this off the air, quote unquote. We we were bringing it up. What what would the crowd do if if it was if it was just Ace trying to not sing? Yeah, like and and you had and people could go and see Ace. Because Ace is not known as a vocalist. I mean, I know in his solo career he was in, in the 80s. But if you get you get to see Ace, he's playing the guitar or trying to. And then you get the other guy singing. Yeah. You know? Or he sings two to three songs. Or he sings the songs with his vocals, like Rocket Ride or Rip It Out or Rock Soldiers. And then the Kiss songs, you know. The Kiss songs that he wrote, you put in like the Cold Gins, you put in Parasite. And things like that. And you have the other guys sing them and get which, rid of those kids songs. You have nothing to do with, which by the way, speaking of that the last time we looked, he, he did a 17 song set list. 14 of the songs were kiss songs. <laughs> what do you, why? Yeah. Nobody's going to ace to hear, you know, love gun or deuce or, or black diamond. Like, you know, anyways, I don't know. It's just exhausting. Yeah, I just, it's just, it's just painful. I don't know. Well, before we move on, I'm going to talk to ace about, I found an almond joy in the back of his car. I dropped that when I was hooking up a chicken, my cutlass supreme. <laughs> I was looking for it. You found it. Thanks. Hello, Pantheon podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon.
Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report. And you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. All right, we're back. And uh, that big RV that was on that Facebook Live video, it's coming back to bite him in the ass because Ace just took a nap. And... uh, the band's still playing and Ace is just yeah, he's just not involved right now. So they're trying to they're trying to wake him up. He's 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 alive. He's just kind of snoring half asleep there. So he needs a he, need, he needs a rest. Oh, shit. I remember Holly night. <laughs> How you doing, Holly? Thanks for uh, hide your heart. <laughs> You're the dude that helped me write rock and roll all night, right? Well, Tom. A while back, we had talked to Holly uh, about coming on, and uh, we just had to find the right time. Thankfully, she was available. Uh, w- this is uh, a pleasure. We, you know, we each have her book. We read it, fan fucking tastic, and we had a lot of questions. There's a lot of kiss stuff in there, and uh, she was gracious enough to give us her time and talk about the things we wanted really to talk about. Yeah, it was great. The book's fantastic. I mean, Holly Knight's a legend in the songwriting music business. So to have her on our show, uh, very pleased with that. Very proud of that. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy the conversation here. Holly Knight. We have an amazing guest this week on Shout It Out Loudcast. She is one of the most prolific songwriters of our generation. She has written songs for Tina Turner, Aerosmith, Pat Benatar, and of course, Kiss, with whom she also recorded an album and of course we'll get into all that she's also written her first book i am the warrior my crazy life writing the hits and rocking the mtv 80s we are lucky to have the wonderful and talented holly knight here this week holly welcome to the show thank you so much for having me yeah this is a true honor for us we all grew up with your music uh tom and i both turning 50 this year so this is it, like MTV, the 80s, the songs, we all know them. And every time I was reading your book and I'm like, she wrote that song. She wrote that song. She wrote that song. Like, it's just, it's not a coincidence. You know, you're a brilliant songwriter and you have a big history section of your life and we want to get into it. But before we do, we always have these things called Murph questions, which are just some questions about Kiss and they're very generic. And the first one is, do you have a favorite KISS member? I kind of do, but he um, he's not really in KISS anymore. That's okay. Well, I you know what? To be fair, That's I okay. like them all for different reasons, mm-hmm. honestly. But as far as the one that I thought was, even though he was a bit of a train wreck, the most <laughs> talented one, which I say in the book, I actually think was Ace. You know, from a, a, a standpoint of... You know, being a great musician, I think he was the most talented one as far as his musicianship. 
And he was also the most fun to hang out with because he was just all over the place, you know. Um, but I'm, I, I don't really talk to him that really anymore. I think I exchanged an email a few years ago when uh, they wanted to license his version of Hide Your Heart. And yeah. so I, you know, I got a hold of them. Um, but like Paul, I saw, I don't know, a couple months ago, I had lunch with him and we're still great friends. Um, and I'm friends with Gene too. I mean, he wrote a great blurb on the back of my book. Yes, he did. And, you know, they're all kind of very different. This is all I can say, you know? Um, and so I'm not trying to be political or anything. I just, I like them for different reasons, you know? Yeah. Paul, yeah. I, I have history with, I used to date him. I've written, when I've written with, uh, written songs for the band, it's always been with him. And, um, you know, in my book, it really is a coming of age story that they're very much a part of because, um, well, it's not really part of the question you asked, but I'm Go sure ahead. No, please. Anyway. That's okay. That's okay. And we had the same manager. I had a band called Spider that yep. I put together and Anton Fig was the drummer and my boyfriend in the band in the beginning. Um, and then Anton got hired to play on Ace's solo record. That was a total fluke. I mean, he, there were three South Africans in the band. There was yeah. Anton, Keith and Amanda, and they mm-hmm. befriended Eddie Kramer, who was also South, South African. African. Yeah. They had that whole expatriate thing going on, you know? <laughs> yeah. And um, so Keith sent a song to, to Eddie and said, can you play this to Ace? See if he wants to cut it. And Ace heard it and didn't really care for the song. But he loved the drummer. He said, who's the drummer? Can I get him? And that's how it all started. Mm. And then um, we were playing around uh, New York City a lot. We were like sort of the it, becoming the it band. And Bill O'Coin came to see us and said, I want to manage you. So he became our manager. So out of that, we kept running into Kiss, whether it was up in the office or if we were rehearsing like in SIR, I'm like one of my favorite stories in the book is how I met Gene Simmons. Oh yeah. SIR. Because um, I think if he read it now, he'd probably laugh his ass off, you know, (laughs) it's it's sort of like I, it wasn't, it it was sort of like I kind of took the piss out of him a little bit. Um, And you have to, it's, but it's funny because I called him Dracula in the book, which is (laughs) what he reminded me of when I met him. And every time I see that, I just crack up and I thought, Surely he's going to see that and crack up. I think he would. I think he's able to laugh at himself now, you know? Yeah, he's got that kind of sense of humor. He's self-deprecating and stuff. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. That makes sense. But that that's great stuff about the the whole little South African connection. Gets Anton into the, uh, the ace thing. And then Anton ends up on, like, Unmasked and Dynasty. And then hence you. And we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite Kiss song? Um, well, I think their, their best anthemic song is probably rock and roll all night. I mean, it's just a really great meat and potatoes kind of meathead sort of, um, rock tune. Yeah. (laughs) They didn't reinvent the wheel, but it's a great memorable song. It's definitely part of like rock and roll history. I actually like this song called Sure Knows Something. I think that's Ah, what it's called. We love that on Dynasty. That it's is so, such the base on that is incredible. Yeah, and it's it's not like a typical Kiss tune, nor is I mean that whole record isn't a typical Kiss record, but it was very musical and 
Um, and I know like Paul all along is always like very musical stuff, you know, I mean, now he's done the, uh, the, what is it? The soul station. Yes. Yeah. 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 He likes that. But I remember when we would hang out, we would sing like songs in the eighties that were like really pop songs, you know? Um, and there was, so there was that side of him and I think they tapped into that and it's actually a very musical, really nice song, you know? Oh, we love a show knows something. I think, and I, I think it's one of those things that gave him some popularity on Dynasty, that, and I was made for loving you, but it yeah. also alienated a lot of their fans by them going yeah. this direction. And then obviously going towards Unmasked next, and then a concept album after that. Yeah. It's just the hardcore fans are like, that's it. And kudos to them to picking up the, the pieces and not just saying, that's it, we're done. I'm going to do a solo, you do. They stuck with it. And look where they are now, right? Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I also think that had something to do with the producer that they picked, which was Vinny Poncia. Uh, did he do Dynasty? He did yep. Dynasty. Yeah. He did uh, Peter Chris's solo album. And, and he did Unmasked. Yeah, very pop-oriented, yeah. well, obviously. I know he did Unmasked. Yeah, but, of yeah, course. But, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so he was very different than Bob Ezra. And 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 um, he wasn't really a rock uh, producer by any means and I think that they either they decided or Bill decided that, that they should try something new they were always trying new things that's the thing that's great I mean they even tried taking the makeup off and realized no we better put it back on <laughs> without the makeup they you know then all of a sudden you had to really focus on the music and I don't think that's what Kiss has ever been about um, I mean goes hand in hand the music with what they do but right. strip the extravaganza of uh, you know, their makeup and their, their costumes. They were just I another thought, LA band. It seemed yeah. like once they yeah, get the makeup, exactly. one of many, so they got smart and they said, you know, let's go back and do that. And, and people love it. Uh, it's funny. Cause I have a, a Husky and she's two now when she was little, she looked like, you know, she looked like Batman. She had the classic sort of black <laughs> mask on. Yeah. And someone said to me, I was showing the picture to someone yesterday and they said, Looks like she could have been a member of Kiss, you know. And I looked at her <laughs> and I thought, "Oh my God, you're right, you're oh, right." Wow. Looked, her face looked like like Kiss makeup, like Kabuki, yeah. Kabuki makeup. That's awesome. Do you have a, a what about albums? Any favorite albums that you know of that you recall? Besides Unmasked, <laughs> right. or it can be Unmasked. Yeah, well, it's not. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll get we'll come back to that one. That's a good line right there. Thank All you. Right. Um, you know, it's funny because as a songwriter, I've written like hits for artists that sometimes are some of their biggest hits. But if so, if you were to ask me what my favorite record was, it's usually one of their earlier ones and not the one that I wrote on or played on, yeah. you know, because mm -hmm. when you start out, you're raw. So for me, it would always be whether it's Kiss or anybody, it'd be like the earlier stuff, you know, the okay. earlier albums. And before it got like, I saw this fantastic picture yesterday on Twitter of Kiss and they had all the makeup on them. This was obviously at the very beginning, like would that mm -hmm. have been like Desolation Boulevard or something? Or what's the one where they were dressed in the suits? Oh, Dress uh, to Kill. The Dress, the dress to, kill to Kill album. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Dress to Kill. Like that time period, I really liked, you know, um, at, at the time, you know, there was the New York Dolls and Iggy and they were kind mm -hmm. of more in that, that sort of vein, you know? Yeah. Yep. But I saw a picture of them yesterday and they were all wearing just Converse and they had the makeup on. They were all super skinny and they had on like sort of suit and ties, but fucked up, you know? And they yeah. looked so cool. Yeah. They looked so cool then. I mean, now it's like, 
everything is just sort of, they finessed it. And that probably projects really well on stage. That's probably why they do it, you know, mm-hmm. but I kind of liked it when it was, you know, not, like I said, not just some, most bands, I like it when they're not thinking too hard about it and they just kind of stumble on some sort of niche that makes them unique. Yeah. You know? yeah. That's a good way yeah. to put it. Yep. Now, have you seen Kiss in concert on your own? Just and if so, how many times? On my own, meaning like meaning like as, fan, or like, like as a fan, like as a like as a like as a fan, like going to see a show like throughout their career. Oh, throughout their career, yeah, of course, yes, yeah. yeah, of course. How many times the- do you think you've seen I, I saw, them? I think the last time I saw them though was a while ago. It was when they were touring with Aerosmith. And they would oh, all yeah. like, yep. they would alternate like yep. they would open up and then the next night Aerosmith would open up and yep. um, we saw that in Boston that sh- that tour yeah yeah what did you think of that I think I thought it was terrible if I could be completely honest with you <laughs> yeah, no, no, be honest I, I thought okay. Kiss was I thought Kiss was fine I thought Aerosmith the Aerosmith was pushing that honking on Bobo Blues That's album right and it just it just didn't go over well I thought it was kind of a rough a rough night for, for them. Yeah. Kiss was fine. Of course. I liked it though. When Joe Perry came out in the platform. Yes. That was cool. Yeah. Yep. He's got a good rapport with the band. Yeah. Steven yeah. and Paul do not like each other at, at all. At all. I've it's seen awful. that. I've, I've seen remarks on, you know, <laughs> and I know them both very well. Of course. Yeah, and it's right. too bad. Cause they're two of the best front men. And I love them each on right. their own. Right. Being from Boston, we're obviously Aerosmith fans. But mm-hmm. I will tell you a quick funny story about this, and I, I tell don't think this. You can compare singing, like I don't think you can compare Paul and and, and Stephen, though. Especially not now. But wait, but, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Elaborate a little bit, Holly, if you don't mind. Well, I just think Stephen is like a much more finessed singer. I think he's the better singer. Um, I think Paul is a is a singer. You know, like he did Phantom of the Opera, believe it or not. Yeah. On and he's done this soul station. So I think what he does when he goes out and he does kiss, he just yells his head off, you know, and and he yells his head off when he's even when he's talking. And then, the you know, he's he's got a New York accent. But when he talks, he's like talking with this southern drawl. Like the first time I saw that, I thought, like, what the fuck? Like, why he didn't talk like that? And and I realized that that was part of the persona that he was creating you know oh yeah yeah so i don't think he's tried to sing like really well um as he does when he does other things and then okay you can really hear his voice okay. where steven is just one of the greatest rock singers ever agreed yes yes you know there's no yes. doubt about it and his yes stage presence and everything i mean he's really truly um I mean, they're both rock stars. What could I say? But for my money, uh, mm-hmm. Steven Tyler, I felt was. Yeah. Paul's going to hate me for saying that. Uh, Paul, that's yeah, okay. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but it's funny because there's some good parts about Steven in the, in the book. And I'm reading along like this when I'm getting when you did the Steven Tyler part. It's fantastic. Yeah. I don't want to give too much away, but. No, yeah. no. Steven's in the it book. It's funny, though, right? It was actually a funny story. You know? Yeah. I, I just, I the whole thing was like. Like, uh, apparently he got really spooked about it afterwards. I was like, come on, he's a rock star. Why is he spooked? This isn't a big deal. I know. I know. Whatever. Yep. But I will tell, I tell you one quick funny story is at that concert that we were at, and I've told this before, but Paul doesn't know his audience. And so he's up there and he was like, yeah, I know you have your Boston bands coming on next, but we're just like that. We're right down the street in, from in New York. And he got booed. 20,000 people in Boston and New York do not like each other. 
And as oh soon my as God. He, said it, he took well, it. He was like, what the, f- what the fuck was that? Well, not to mention he's, perfor- he, he's performing at a venue that's, you know, 30 minutes south of Boston and he forgets where he is and he got mercilessly booed. It was, yeah, it was, it oh. was just funny. But yeah, that show was not, yeah, it just, it was disappointing seeing Aerosmith like that. They weren't playing a lot of their big hits. They were no. experimenting with this blues type album and it just, it fell on deaf ears. Yeah. Too bad. Yeah. I, I kind of feel like I saw them after that, but I honestly don't remember where. Or okay. Where. Now, the last thing is, do you have a favorite Kiss memory? Could be something like first time you met him or a funny story with Paul or Gene. Do you have a favorite Kiss memory? Well, yeah, but it's all in my book. I mean, there's so many. <laughs> there's so well, I don't know if there was them. another part, something else, you know, Gene falling down the stairs or I don't know. It's just... <laughs> I think the cheesecake story at, at, at the deli in the middle of the night when the band, we, we, Gene called us up to do a demo yep. um, with him. And, you know, we were broke and we lived in this dingy loft down in Tribeca before it was a trendy place. And, he, you know, he sent this limo to pick us up just to play on this demo. And afterwards, he took us to the deli to, to eat at like three in the morning. And Did know, he give you the bill? No. <laughs> And that would be Rod Stewart. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh boy. Uh-oh. Because <laughs> we've heard that story about Gene. Anybody want anything? About Anybody Gene? want anything? Oh, here's your cut. Here's your cut. <laughs> no, he was always very generous with yeah. us. I mean, it was actually very sweet. That's you awesome. Um, we would have done it for free. And he paid us all, and we didn't have much money, so it helped us out. And then I just love the fact that this sort of behemoth, I said it, this behemoth of a man walks in, and he's not in the kiss makeup, so nobody knows who he is. So I feel like I'm with Batman, and this is like mm. um, Bruce, <laughs> uh, you know. And he walks in, and then he doesn't order anything like brisket or anything like a matcha. He orders cheesecake. He says, he's got a he big says, sweet to watch what I'm eating, you know, like, <laughs> even, and I would have said something in the book of like, even, um, even superheroes have to fit into their superhero outfits, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it sort of endeared me to him. Oh, actually, you know, here's a better one. This one, okay. it's a very quick one. He, he really prides himself in being an expert on horror movies. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So he said to me, if this is in the book, he said, well, he said, go ahead, name me anything. I'll t- tell you who made it, who was in it, what year it was made. Just go ahead. And he's like kind of smirking, looking up at the ceiling. His arms are folded and he's tapping his foot like, go on, come on, hit me. And I said, Suspiria. Ooh. And the blood drains from his face and he gives me this blank look and he doesn't, he's never heard of it. And that was like. You know, that was great because after that, I think he had a whole nother level of respect for me. 1977, Dario Argento. That's right. Yes. Yeah, that's the horror expert on our show. That's that was one of the scary. Just that red building was so freaky. That building that they, I think they filmed it in Amsterdam. Oh, there's your husky. There's Ace. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if she'll. Make an appearance. She's going to hang by me. That's okay. That's, That's okay. okay. That's okay. That's okay. All right, Tom, I'll, leave, I'll hand it over to you, buddy. Yeah. So, all right. I mean, Holly's career obviously is incredible beyond belief, especially our generation here growing up in the eighties and hearing all these incredible songs, but we are a kiss podcast. And so we're going to be a little start off with some of the kiss centric things here. So you, you get into it in the book, how you were, it was kind of surprising how you became involved with Kiss 
and unmasked. You were asked to kind of jump in and play keyboards on a song. But why don't you, you know, I know we don't want to, it's, it's difficult to talk to somebody when they're, when they're, when they have a book, because we don't want to give away too much, but tell right. us, tell, tell us as much as you're comfortable with talking about that story about unmasked and, and how, you know, some of the, the, the picture of the check that made it into the book, which is fantastic. Yes. 40 years old. Yeah. I say that. That's, That's awesome. the Jew in me. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Um, you know, just keeping records and things. Uh, but yeah. anyway, yeah, I was at the record plant um, and Kiss did like all their records. So there were certain bands where there was Kiss, Aerosmith. Um, they, they would always set up camp there. The budgets were big and they would be there for months and months. And um, I think at the time I was uh, I was dating someone and I was waiting for him. He was an engineer that was on staff at record plant. But I was there a lot anyway because we were we had done our demos there and it was just a good place for me to hang out. Like I always felt, I said this a lot in the book, although the word didn't exist at the time, I hung out and I sort of snuck around. Like I would sneak backstage at the garden and do whatever I had to do to, to get to know people. And we call it networking now, but yeah. that's, mm-hmm. they didn't have that word back then, right. as far as, you know, um, using it to meet people, but that's what I was doing. So I was at the record plant and, I'm sitting in the lounge and Gene came out and he's making himself something to drink, coffee or tea. I don't remember. It was a while ago, but he kind of looks over at me and he says, you, he says, you play keyboards pretty well. You know, you play keyboards pretty good. Right. Or I don't remember exactly what he said. He says, you play keyboards. I looked at him like, yeah. And he said, well, we have this song that we're cutting and we need keyboards. Do you want to come in and, and play on the record? And I looked at him like I was kind of stunned. I was like, yeah, uh, now? You mean right now? <laughs> he walks over to the door and opens it, holds it up and says, right now. And I just dashed in there like a little rabbit before he changed his mind, you know. Yep. And he didn't know it, but I'd never recorded before. I mean, I'd recorded a few demos, but I'd never. This was like, this was a game changer for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I thought, this is my shot. This is, mm-hmm. this is amazing. This is like, it's not just a shot to play on a record, but on a Kiss record, you know, mm-hmm. they sold a lot of records. And, um, and I also knew Vinny, the producer, because I was good friends with the woman that he was dating who was working at a coin. So it was all very six degrees separation. Yeah. 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 So I walked in and, and Vinny went to me like, Hey, I hear you're playing on, 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 on the song. And I was like, yeah, I think so. <laughs> and, and then he told me to go in the control room. Or not the control room, the studio. They were in the control room. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he showed me where the keyboard was. And he said, well, let me play the track. And I listened to it. And um, I said, okay, well, let's run through it. And after I picked some sounds with them and I played through it and I thought, oh, okay, now I know where the changes are. Next time I'm going to, I'll nail it, you know. And hopefully they'll like it. And I didn't want to do anything fancy. I mean, I, I grew up playing classical music. I started when I was four. And so by that time, I mean, my mother had sort of been hoping I was going to be a concert pianist. So when I went in the mm-hmm. direction of rock, it just, you know. You went to school in Boston for music, didn't you? I did for one summer, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And... um I played the song and, and then they just, they said, hang on a minute. And then they huddled in the corner and it was Paul and Gene and Vinny and their engineer. And there were like, I was the only woman in the building, I think, except for the <laughs> receptionist. 
which mm-hmm. says says a lot. <laughs> and I thought, you know, I always thought of Kiss as like chauvinist and like, you know, misogynist you know, jackasses. Yeah. yeah. Womanizers. And, and then then it dawned on me, like they're actually they've actually asked me to play on their record. They could have asked mm-hmm. anybody. I don't even think it was convenience. I mean, look, they could have just gotten out their roller decks yeah. number of people. But right. I think they kind of thought, like, that could be cool. And I thought that was cool of them. You yeah. Know? So for all that, you know, that bit about them being these pigs and misogynists and blah, 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 they actually were very forward thinking in that way. They just wanted someone that could come in and do for them what they needed. So I thought, okay, good. I'm, I'm Let's do this. And um, anyway, they were huddling and I saw them shaking their heads and I thought, oh, they didn't like it. I, I've blown it or whatever. And I was waiting for them to just tell me that it wasn't, wasn't working out. And they said, that was great. You know, mm. then he gets back on the top and he goes, that was great. He said, so let's, he said, we've got that one. I said, well, I didn't, what? We didn't even like, he said, no, it's fine. You did it. It's great. We love what you played. In fact, we loved it so much. We wanted to know what you were doing the rest of the day because we want to put keyboards on this whole record. And I was like, really? So that after they heard me, they decided to do that. And I was just so excited. I was thinking like, okay, so Anton's already played the drums on this record, my drummer, and he played on Dynasty. And I can't wait to get back to Loth and tell him that you won't believe this, but I just played on the whole record. Um, it was just, it was definitely a turning point for me, you know? Mm. And um, they told me that I wasn't going to be able to get credit. Yeah. And, and oh, it, didn't, yeah. it didn't surprise me because I knew that Anton had already played on both records, this and Dynasty, and he had to agree to it as well. Yep. Um, but, you know, as it turns out, you know, Kiss fans are so diehard, they know everything. I mean, they probably know their blood type. <laughs> I don't even know my blood type. <laughs> but um, so I knew they were going to find out. I mean, after that, my names did start getting around a lot more. People were talking about it. And, um, you know, as time went on and they put their makeup on, they took it off. They, you know, I think people found out and knew that Anton, everybody kind of knew at that point that Anton was the drummer and Peter was not, even though it said Peter on it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Which is why when I did the Eddie Trunk interview, I don't know why, but a couple of the fans interpreted what I said as I was bashing Peter Chris and I wasn't when I said it was obvious it wasn't Peter playing the drums. I don't think that's bashing him. It's just stating a fact. Yeah, I agree. It's a totally different style. Exactly. Yeah. Very different. Yeah. And and so was the style of the records, if you think about it. I mean, that's totally. a typical Kiss record. So I all I really said was that it was very obvious, whether he got credit or not, whether it said Peter or not, it wasn't Peter, you right. know. Um, but they sent me record plaques. They sent me a lot of record. No, they sent me one record plaque, and I still have it on my studio wall. Um, and it said presented to Holly Knight. So they were acknowledging in their own way. Nice. But also, when I got the checks... <laughs> I Xeroxed them. That's awesome. And it was a lot of money to me at the time. It was like yeah. you know, one was fifteen hundred dollars, and another one was like whatever it was. And I saved them all these years. Like I saved a scrapbook of everything. Every time I had, there was an article or chart positions, or whatever, I have all that stuff. That's awesome. Great. And um, in fact, Ace designed the logo for the band. And before we were Spider, we were called Siren, and he designed the logo. And it mm-hmm. looks so much like the Kiss logo, the S. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. And I, yeah. that's in the book too. I made a, yeah, uh, we saw it. A yep. copy of that. Yep. Um, which was kind of cool that he did that, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I printed, I said, you know, what did I say in the book? Something like, well, guess what? I saved those motherfucking checks. Good <laughs> <laughs> for you. And what's great is like, they don't look like the kind of checks you have now. It actually says kiss on it. You know, it's right. not some real legal name and someone's address. And yeah. Says kiss. LTD. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Do you, so, now, we, I think we kind of hinted at it. What are your thoughts on the whole unmasked album? Okay. Um, and the song that you were asked to first play was one of the most polarizing songs amongst Zeus and I and Kiss fans, and that is Shandy. Is Shandy, yeah. yes, I yes. can't stand that song. I don't, and I love it. I'm and see, sorry, I, Holly. I love it. Our show, everyone knows. I hate that. I don't like this album. And the I only love song it. I like. And on I love it, Unmasked. A couple of the Gene yep. songs. I uh, think Paul is. This is just pop music. If I want to listen to pop, I'll listen to Duran Duran. I don't need Kiss to do it. Yeah, I think they went a little too far personally on that record myself. Although what did I'm glad you, what did, I mean, but it's not, t- it's, not be- it's not because it had keyboards on it. You have to look at the songs. Sure. And the nature of the songs, you know. And yeah. um I just I it's not that I didn't like it. I just I thought, you know, some people will love it and I knew just as many, if not more, were gonna hate it. Yeah. Because, but I wasn't gonna say anything because yeah, of was, course. this is well, this was I'm not gonna blow my shot, you know. Right. Oh of course. Stay in Hamilton. It's like, yeah, it sounds great. Let's do the next one. <laughs> right. You know? But I don't think it was some of their most memorable songs. Um Yeah. No. Yeah. Now yeah, and you, then go, go ahead, Zeus. No, no, I was go ahead. I was you gonna say it. Then you kind of circle back with a few more songs. Now, Hide Your Heart, you wrote with Paul and Desmond Child. And you guys wrote it originally. It was supposed to be going crazy nights. It didn't. And then you guys decided licensing out to, I don't know, like five other people did, including the great Bobby Bonnie Tyler. Uh, Ace put it on his album. And then I think Paul realized, hey, wait a minute, this song is actually pretty good. I I ought to put it on a Kiss album and actually make it a single, like which was which I don't understand. Like, why didn't he see that before? But in the beginning, I think that hurt them. I think that if they had put it out as the single first, um, then they could have had a hit with it because it was very catchy. And what did you 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 said your favorite version of Hide Your Heart is Kiss's version? Or no, it's, it's it's Ace's version. Oh, no kidding. You like Yeah, Ace's because version. it's scruffier. It's more like rock. Wow. I love his voice. It's just sort of like Interesting. It's just it's it's more of a rock version to me. I know? agree. It, it it is a you little do? bit more. No, I I, I mean yeah. I love I love love the Kiss version, but I see what you're saying about Ace's version. It's a lot more kind of like dirty and like Raw. rock and roll. Yeah. 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 I get um, that. I was not in the room, by the way, when he wrote it with Desmond. There's a whole story to how that song got written, and it really yeah. started. I don't think I put this in my book, or maybe it's I not. Did. It's not. No, oh, I don't okay. recall it. Yeah, well, he came over to my studio, and we see. You got to remember when I first met him; like I was just nobody. You know, right. I hadn't even realized I was going to be. Are you talking about Paul? Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. So. My relationship was different. And so, you know, we dated on and off for a couple of years here. And what happened was we lost touch. The next time I saw him, I think I mentioned this in the book. I was walked with in Billy with Idol. Stewart. Mm-hmm. No, I thought it was with Rod Billy Idol. 
No, I was with nope. Rod Stewart and I was working mm-hmm. with Rod. And I walked in and Paul was at this backstage party. And so we sort of regrouped at that point. We actually started to date again, but we also, before that, we started to write together. So now that I was an established writer, he wanted to give me a shot with the writing, you know. Um, so he came over one day and we were just jamming in the room. And then I put the recorder on and I started to play these chords and sing the melody, which basically is the chorus on the hook, which is right. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, we jammed on some other things. He left. And that was it. We didn't get together to write it. And then he, he got a hold of me and he said, I uh, called him and he said, I'm going to send you a tape. I took this idea that you were singing on the tape and I wrote a song with Desmond over it. Oh. He said, and I want to know if you think you should get credit as a writer. I said, okay, let me hear it. And I'm thinking, well, you know, if they didn't really do much, whatever, I'll just tell him no. But when I heard it, like the entire chorus and the hook, after the course, there was, was that was it. You yeah, know? right, right. So why he asked me that, I thought like, well, that's really, wouldn't that be obvious? You know, <laughs> right. like, so I was a little annoyed at the time. Um, but I wrote him back and I said, yes, I think I deserve credit. And if I didn't, I would say so also. And he said, okay, like there was no arguing or any problem. But it was like, why ask, you know? Can I ask you, how does that work as a songwriter? When he says, okay, should I give you credit? Does it go like we split it three ways or does it go, a, you get a percentage? And, and it's now it's always you know, equal um, because you can't, I think it's insulting to sit there and sort of explain who did what and talk about percentages, unless you bring in a song that's like so finished. Um, but even then, like I would do that a lot with artists just so they would connect the dots and I would get the cover. You know, hmm. I could have finished it on my own, but that seemed to work really well. And I never bartered about, you know, like, Oh, you know, I wrote most of the song. I should get blah, blah, blah. If there's three bodies in the room and they're all trying to write the song, then it's 33 and a third. Mm -hmm. If there's two bodies, then it's 50, 50, unless you agree otherwise. Okay. Okay, Cause I thought there was a right song in your book that you said, right now it's bugging me. I'm thinking that the artist came back to you and it was a famous artist. And they're like, how much should you get? Is 10% okay? And you're like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. That was Aerosmith. Mm-hmm. That was Steven Tyler, right? When you did what? Yeah. Ra- and that was, was that Ragdoll? Yes. Yes. Yep. So how does that and come about versus what Paul my, did? That's the only time I care. Well, because that song was like written. They had actually cut the track up in Vancouver. The record was almost done. Mm-hmm. And John Kalodner sent me yeah. the song and said, I think there's something, I think this song is really good, but in its presence form, I have no idea what it's about and it's just not grabbing me. And I was wondering if you'd listen to it. I mean, he was actually basically asking me to tighten a screw, but it was a very large screw because it separated it from, is it going to be an album track or could it be a memorable hit? You know? Right. Right. So I don't normally like to write about that, but I was very honest about it because you know, through the years, I've heard her all kinds of talk about like, oh, she didn't do anything on the song. Well, it's like, oh, you were in there, there in the room. Okay. <laughs> Good you for know. you. So I was very honest. I'm very honest in the book about everything, really. Yeah. Um, and I try not to throw people under the bus, but there were also moments where I had to just basically tell my, this is my memoir. It's not yours. It's not Rod Stewart's. It's on, it is my memoir. And there are things that I shared 
um, without being mean about it. You know, I was really, really tried to do it. There are other things I could have written about that I certainly didn't. I thought those are private, private things and vendettas yeah. with certain people that should be worked out and don't really further, further the book, you know? What yeah. did you what what did you think of the version that made it onto Hot in the Shade that became a hit for Kiss? Because it's kind of a two part question. So, like you said, the Ace version you prefer, and then Paul turned. I love into, it. I yeah. love it. You know, more as time goes on, I love it even more. I think it's great. I wasn't yeah. saying that it wasn't great. It's just that right, right, right. You know, I actually think that Ace doesn't have a bad voice singing. You know, yeah. there's something like sort of just um, scruffy about him. You know. Yeah. He's not but, singing his heart out the way Paul is. Yeah, and what, but it leads me to the second part of the question. We didn't. Uh, it's you talk about it in your book about when you write a song, and I will veer off for a minute from the Kiss stuff. We'll talk about "Love Is a Battlefield" by Pat Benatar, which became a massive hit, a massive MTV hit. You write a song. Do you write a song with a vision in mind of how you'd like to see it done, and then when it's done? like love is a battlefield you're like ah that's not what i had in mind even though it became a massive hit for you and for her right um yeah you i i think that also because some of these songs i wrote with mike chapman and he was like yeah. a huge producer mm-hmm. he had to produce number one records i mean he did like everything from all the blondie stuff to my sharona um and he was also a great songwriter um mm-hmm. so when we would do demos, we didn't, you know, we didn't try to make them that fancy. And even if it was a female singer that we were pitching a song to, we would have a male vocal on it. And if it was a song I wrote with him, I mean, I did obviously wrote a lot without him, but like, I always like to have men doing the vocals. If I was pitching the song to a female artist who was a rock singer, I thought that was oh, okay. Interesting. smart because, yeah. you know, then they could really go, oh, I could rock out like this, you know, as opposed to putting another girl there and them having to listen to, to that, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, like, Mike was not a great singer, but he had, he always could portray the attitude and the vibe of the song. And I think that was more important than putting, like, you know, nowadays it's like, you know, it has to sound like a record and you have to have these incredible singers and blah, blah, blah. But with rock and roll, it's not the case, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so... We would take a lot of care to 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 at least to have the vibe and the feel of a song. So when we gave the song to Pat Benatar, who had actually called us up or had called him up and said, I need a song for my uh, my live record. And she knew Mike because he had sort of he was one of the first people to discover her. And he did a bunch of the songs that were on her first record and she knew him. And I happened to be there. I just moved out to California and we were going to write that day. So he said, uh, we're going to write you a hit. And we did. And we were so excited. We knew, we knew that song was going to be a hit. We knew it was great. We sent it to the label. The label freaked out. We sent it to Pat. And the minute they heard it, this, they called us up and it was like, they were so excited. Like, Pouch trying to grab the phone from Neil, like, give me the phone, give me, you know. And then when we got the song back, we were kind of like, um, you know, we were, we were disappointed. We mm. loved her vocal, but we hated the production. Mm-hmm. Like the way we gave it to her, Neil likes to say that it was a ballad, which it was not. It was a mid-tempo, eighth notey feel. Okay. It was an anthem. 
And it it's like the kind of song that would have been great on on Game of Thrones, the way we wrote it. You know, oh, okay. it was, <laughs> yeah. I said it was like meat and and a chalice of red wine, and <laughs> you know, very sort of. It it was like more like a a straight ahead rock anthem, and they gave us back what I thought was a dance track. Yeah. It was like nothing she had done before. We really wanted to sort of maintain the things that we loved about earlier songs because she was a, a rock artist. So when we heard that, we initially hated it. Mm. And uh, it took us a while to, and, and I think we, we, we were trying to be delicate about what we were saying to them, but over the years, they pretty much found out that we hated it. But then as, <laughs> as it started to sort of take off and become a hit, we learned very quickly to love it, you know? Yeah. Um, and I love it now because it's so eighties. Um, I hated the video too. It was like I wasn't oh, the, like the, yeah because she like breaks out into like a thriller dance at the like, well it's a yeah it's a bunch of like, prostitutes like, yeah, it's a, this it's isn't a, a dance song I didn't perform, it's like, a bunch it's of pre- it's a bunch of prostitutes doing like a dance in a root in a club it's like what the hell's going on right now I didn't understand that because like it was such an empowering song like why did she all of a sudden let this guy talk her into being a prostitute like, right, right. Just, you know it was just sort of like it was really meant to be more about like young love and youth and like yeah. just living you know um I mean I like the part where she left home that kind of I like because it mimicked my own life I could clearly mm-hmm. remember my mother saying you leave this house don't ever come back you know mm. and I did I left when I was 15 yeah um, so that part I like, but the rest of it, and you know, the, the part I hated the most was when it, it looked to me like they had forced her to do these dance moves. Like it had been choreographed. That was a big thing. Everybody was all of a sudden dancing to their videos. And I just, I was more moved when I saw the very first video I saw of her. It was one of the earliest ones on MTV. She was wearing these really tight black. They were either oh, yeah. leather. We just talked about it. You better run. T-shirt yep. on. You better yep. run. Yep. And she pointed at the camera with her finger and she was so badass. And awesome. that's what I wanted Love's Battlefield to be. You know, yeah. we, uh, we so, talked about that recently because we just covered Peter Chris's first solo album. He yeah. did a cover of that. Yeah. And Tom is not a fan. Well, we better run. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we were like, yeah, but we all know it. It's yeah. a great song, song, but which yeah, no, one, no, no one Peter does it. It's not a great song. But <laughs> <laughs> it, is. it is. Don't listen to him. Um, but you, I mean, there's so many aspects. I mean, and people should pick up the book. It's Oh, absolutely. I, I said to Tom recently, I'm like, I think this is the first book I got through. And God knows how long I have major ADHD. Really? I'm always starting something. I finished it. I loved it. Every chapter was its own little short story. Mm -hmm. And they're not about these no-name people. They're all these famous artists. And the way you describe it, we're like in your shoes. We're like the newbie. Thank you. Like watching and like, oh, my God, there's Rod Stewart. Yeah, yeah. I you in the run. That's that's what I wanted to do. Exactly. And it's amazing. And, you know, you're not beating around the bush. I'll, I'll, I mean, there's stuff in here. You talk about your sex life a lot. God bless you. More power to you. <laughs> Thank you. You know, and yeah. people are like, and I'm reading this book and I'm like, she's going to get with him. She's going to get with him. <laughs> well, I was him. single. He was single. It's like when you see actors going out with other actors. That's exactly how I would be, too. Why not? And you spend, I mean, yeah. I mean, put yourself in the same situation. Exactly. Like, I have not met one, not one woman. 
that ever said to me, hey, they always say like, if I had been in that situation with so-and-so, I'm not going to say names. It's yeah. like I, I'm so all over yeah. that, you know? Like no man um, would do that. Like in the eighties, like, Oh, this Pat Benatar. Oh, this Madonna. Uh, right. Oh, this Samantha right. Fox. Oh no. If well, you have an the, opportunity, what? you're going to go for it. Yeah. And the point is, is that I was working. I was a peer with them. I wasn't a groupie, you know? Right. No, exactly. No, yes. No, exactly. And I did. And some of them I turned down. Some of them I married. And some of them were, you know, even sort of like, we knew it didn't mean anything, but we just had fun. It's like if guys can do it, why can't women? And that's the whole point of this. Awesome. I actually say it in the book. There's a, there is an empowering moment when you get to make a choice. It's not a me too moment. It's not yep. you're being put down. It's more like, Hey, let's hang out and spend some time together. And look, if they were married or something like yeah. I, I never, never, you know, I totally respected that. And I always made the women that were attached to them feel comfortable around me. Cause mm-hmm. I knew how that felt. Oh, I mean, you can yeah. tell, like you yeah. feel like even as a guy, I felt you being you, Walking into the environment and be like, holy shit, you know, there's a guy that I think is great. There's Bon Jovi. There's Don Johnson. There's, you know, right. all these and, and stars and in the 80s. On me, you know, once or twice, too, like when I, well, actually didn't backfire me. I'm going to tell you really quickly. The la- One of my favorite chapters is the last one with Tina Turner yep. and the best. Mm. And you know, the book is really centric on MTV. Like that whole. Oh, yeah, Abs- Absolutely. Yep. So the biggest song I've ever written comes at the end of this decade. And um, I actually did not write it for her. I wrote it for someone that, as you know, um, I had a crush on. And um, he passed on the song. And then it, it, I started out the chapter by saying uh, the best was not written for Tina Turner, but it was meant for her. Mm. So I went through all these incarnations and it was recorded by Bonnie Tyler. And then Tina called me up and asked me to rewrite it after it had already been out. And I, I wrote the, the, yeah, the bridge and then changed the key. And that's when it really, she, it was an incredible suggestion because it really made it into a hit song, you know? Oh, absolutely. Um, but yeah, it, look, the biggest, I mean, forget about being turned down as a person. Like if you like someone, it's it, for me, it's, it's harder when your song is being turned down. Like, no, we don't get it, you know, <laughs> but it's okay because I thank that person in the end and in the acknowledgements for not cutting that song. Mm. Oh, I wanted to ask you a question uh, without throwing the name out. I'm, yeah. I'm trying to figure out a way to ask you this without giving it away, but that's in the book. Um, right. Supposedly uh, he starts off a famous song with a bunch of other artists. I think you're, pretty much know which song i'm talking about right yes that was meant for david bowie but he could he wasn't there so that's why he got that for that first line oh really that's what i heard and i I thought maybe you might know because you you met bowie i mean it would make sense that it was bowie leading off it wouldn't make sense who who did lead it off because you know what are you talking about the chris or the yes do they know it's christmas yes that's still not mentioning that it's not giving it away because there were so many people yes oh yeah it was it was so funny to sort of well first it started with we are the world mm-hmm. no 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 do you believe it? uh christmas one came first okay, first we oh, are the world kidding. copied them okay so they copied oh yes i stand corrected um but it was just so interesting to see all these famous people in run world having one line here and there and each one of them had their own style so they were yep. putting their stamp onto the lines 
And some of them worked and some of them sounded God awful. Yes, that's true. <laughs> yeah. But it was just interesting because I used to always say, why the hell is this guy? He's not the biggest star. Why is he leading this off? And the story was they were supposed to be David Bowie, which would make sense because he's probably the biggest name would have been for the British at that time. version. At, so I wonder why he didn't do it. Do you know? I don't know. I heard, no. you know, because I thought it was a makeshift thing. Because if you see the video, they look like they all just came in for that weekend. It was done quickly. Yeah. yeah. But regardless, right. I didn't mean to get us off track on that. No. But I thought you might know the answer to that, having known met them both. Right. But it's yeah. a great part in the book. You just all these stars that you met and meeting and hanging out with was it Bon Jovi and Don Johnson in the night and one night in yeah. the 80s in their height of like, I don't know if there's any two bigger stars you could have hung out with. At one point, like hottest guys or whatever. And one night, <laughs> well, the, the best part Don Johnson. I introduced them to each other because yeah. um, yeah. I invited Don Johnson and he had to be in Washington, D.C. later that night. So he rented a helicopter and we flew there. Someone else flew the helicopter there. But going back, he decided to fly. Yeah, fly that, a that's a great didn't have part. a license yet. Oh, yeah, that was Jesus. Funny. Yeah. Yeah. And he kept like nose diving and showing off and like diving <laughs> under these bridges. And I was like, I was ready to kill myself. I was in the back with a bag. You're like me. You get <laughs> nauseous at that shit. Oh, I get so nauseous. Oh, it's yeah. awful. awful. I can't even watch handheld camera movies. They make me so sick. Oh, yeah. yeah. Our listeners know all about my puke and throwing up stories constantly, we tell, but it's <laughs> awful <laughs> in the back of a car or anything like that. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. But it's funny because you said the intro may have come from our buddy, Michael DeBar, who may have introduced you because I know he's buddies with Don Johnson and yep. Michael's been on yeah. our show and he's an awesome guy. And the two of you wrote that catchy hit from the eighties session. Up yes. You know, what? Yeah. you know what too? I don't know if you watch uh, uh, HBO, mm-hmm. but there's a great show. You know, the one about the whole legacy of the uh, LA Lakers Yes. yes, 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 yes. Winning, um, what's it called? Winning, winning Showtime uh, or something? No, no, no. That's the old, no. That's the other. This one is like winning. I can't remember it. I yeah, know. I, 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 I'm embarrassed because I should know because they licensed Obsession. Yep. All the commercials. Yep. So if you watch HBO, Obsession's all over, it, and the way they used it is really brilliant. Actually, it's very yeah. cool. That song's been licensed a lot. I can. I believe it. Yeah. Okay, I mean, and you yeah. cut it with my American Horror you? Story, huh? You cut it with Michael, didn't you, originally? I did. We had a version that was in a movie before it got cut by Animotion. Um, mm-hmm. He's an about. awesome guy. We love Michael. Oh, he's, he's great. great. He's so great. fucking funny. Yeah. He's great. It's so funny. <laughs> and, you know, because he's an actor and he's a guy and I'm a woman, we've had we have this sort of love-hate thing. But basically, it's it, at the end of the day, there's a lot of love. We wrote a great song together and we have a lot of history together. Um. And I know his wife also, Pamela, his ex-wife. Yeah. Let's circle back. Let's circle back to some Kiss stuff here because I know we're we're taking up a lot of your time here. So you you made it back to Kiss when they did Psycho Circus. Yeah. Two two of me personally and our listeners know two songs that, in my opinion, at least one of them should have been a a massive hit. But two of them were tailor-made anthems that could have been used for every championship season Raise your glasses, and I Love pledge it. allegiance to the state of rock and roll. Love Two it. of the my favorite anthems. Tell us a little bit about the background of those, and I I, I wonder if it was any it, Kiss at that time was kind of in a weird place. It was the reunion, but those songs were 
should have been massive. I think they were so hooky and so catchy and so anthemic. Yeah, raise your glasses, especially would have been great on any bear commercial that you would ever see or anything with a totally. bar scene. Yep. I mean, there's there's so many TV shows with bar scenes it could have been in, and um, it was. I was so pissed when when Pink came out a few years ago with um, a song that had raise Sim- your glasses. That's in it. right. Yeah. Yep. And because because I really feel again like they missed the boat there. They should have realized that that was a hit song. Yeah. You know, I love the way. Like, you know, the verse kind of goes along and then it launches into the chorus, like with no pre, pre, no pre-chorus. Like, real, yeah. And it's just like, you just, you do, you just want to raise a glass and have yeah. a tankard of German ale or something. We always say know? it's every high school football team's championship video should have raise your glasses. They should. And you know what? Yeah. Now that I think about it, I should talk to my, the people that plug my, that are working my songs. I'm telling you that if somebody else does that, I bet you it's a hit. If they you know, I, I, I agree. There was a group called Four Troops, and they were all like uh, they'd all been in the army, and they were vocalists, and they did a version of "Raise Your Glasses," which was actually pretty good. But I just think it has to be Kiss. Just yeah. the whole image of Kiss and everything—you could see them in a bar doing it in a commercial. They'd make a yeah. four. And, and as much as I, and, and I know you love "Raise Your Glasses," and I know a lot of our listeners like it, but I've always been. <laughs> I have like oh, an unha- I have like an unhealthy obsession with I pledge allegiance to the state. Really? I just I just See, think I, it is- I find that he's the one. Well, okay, no, no, but wait, no, wait, now, Holly, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna try to. Wait, tell wait, her wait, I didn't catch that. No, 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 no. She, 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 she said she thinks the song is embarrassing. <laughs> now wait, now wait, I, I, now hold on. I, I am, I'm not gonna disagree. It is extremely like it, it can be a little bit embarrassing. No disrespect to you who who wrote it. But I think it's Kiss, and no other band would even think about Sam. Well, that's Paul why we—that's why we wrote this. That's I actually came up with that title, and that's why I wrote it because uh, only right. get away with it. It's perfect You're for right. them. Oh, but that's tell funny me why. you say that. So you came up with that title, yeah. not Paul, because well, I together. But I think the Pledge of Allegiance—it definitely came from. Because me. the reason why I, I say that is because yeah. Ace later on. Wrote oh, a Jesus song on Christ. his solo album called "The Pursuit of Rock and Roll," <laughs> in which he funny. says he thinks Kiss stole that idea and title because he wanted to get it on that album, and they're like, oh, "No." Really? And then all of a sudden, "State of I Pledge Allegiance" came on. He's like, "I think they ripped my idea off." Like, yeah, I don't think so. He's oh, you know, when you were asking me about favorite songs before, I also love yeah. Doctor Love. Oh yeah, definitely. I thought that did, that was just so. That was like so quintessentially kiss yep gene final tap you know but but wait hold on before we move i gotta back up why (laughs) what why why, i I have a problem here why do you think i pledge allegiance is embarrassing (laughs) because it is because it is you know what i I probably should clarify that you know right we're teasing We're, we're teasing we're teasing no, 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 it's okay. I'm going to be very honest about this. I've said this before. Please do. I pride myself in my quality of work and what I consider to be a great song. It's never a Kiss song. It's because it's very meat and potatoes, <laughs> meathead. It's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like, <laughs> but listen, here's the best part, okay? I wrote this song called Love Touch for yes. Rod Stewart. Yes. I know yes. all about it. And I was disappointed yes. when I read what was in the book. Yeah. It was yeah. heartbreaking. It, I think lyrically it's one of the sexiest in a very nondescript, very classy way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
and it's really it's it's a very spiritual song and i don't think he ever got the point of it so um you know i write about in the book how on one of his anthology records you know i was all excited i went to see what's he going to say about this song because it was a big hit for him and he said that he thought it was an embarrassing song like he never said that to me when we were writing it when i tried to write it with him and then he kept you know, fooling around and being mischievous. And so I told him to basically, I couldn't believe I had the balls to say this, but I, I asked him to go away and let me finish the song on my own, (laughs) which I did. And I said, and if you love it, you'll cut it, which he did. And, you know, I cut it with, I'm I like, I played everything on that record except the uh, bass and guitar. Like I programmed the drums. I sing all the backgrounds, the keyboards, those steel drums and all that. And, um, I really put my heart and soul into it, and I I felt that the lyrics uh, were beautiful. And so when he said that he thought the song was embarrassing, I I was, you know, I mean, everybody's got an opinion. I did say I I went and I looked at the lyrics, and I analyzed them. I looked at them again. I said, you know what? I'm sorry. That's fucking poetry. I wouldn't say that about any song, but that song I would say it about. So I try to be even honest with myself. I love the songs I wrote with Kiss, but... I don't take them as seriously as I do some of the other things I wrote. Is I'm trying to say that in a way that's delicate. I'm not trying to, but I know, think Kiss admits Kiss that. Fans, but yeah. Oh no, I, I, I think Kiss fair. knows that, right, Tom? Would you say? I think, they, yes, they, they know their songs aren't. They know they're not. That's Bob why Dylan. Paul goes off and does all these other things that are completely different uh, that have nothing to do with Kiss, and it's because, um, you know, the one thing I will say about Kiss is that they really love their fans. They True. really do. You know, I think that's why they, they tried to even cover up the, the fact that Anton and I played on these records because they want they don't want anybody to worry and think, oh, Kiss is breaking up. Or, right. You know, like it's sort of like when you look at Justice League or the Avengers or something. Mm-hmm. Each, you know, it, it's the combination of the team thing that they mm-hmm. were trying to promote so much. And, you know, their image with the merchandising and everything. So, um, mm-hmm. but they love their fans. And when I saw Paul a few months ago, he said, are you doing book signings? And I said, well, my publisher says that nobody's been doing them since the pandemic. I'd love to do them, but doesn't seem like anybody wants to do them, right? They said, yeah, nobody does them anymore. And in the meantime, I did this podcast with Bob Lessitz. I don't know. Yep. If he, if yep. yep. It's yep. a great, great interview. And, um, some uh, a gentleman down in Phoenix, Arizona, was listening to it, and he manages this big bookstore in Tempe and Phoenix, um, one of these cool big indie stores where a lot of the musicians go and, and do book signing events. And he said, I was really sorry to hear you're not doing book signing events because I would kill to have you come down here and do one with us. So that started this whole thing I agreed to, which I'm actually going to do tomorrow. And there, he's your friend, Brandon. That's Scott. right. Yep. And That's he's right. just the loveliest guy. I have to give a shout out to him because yes, um, he's great. He even said, "I'll write some other people to see if they're interested," and they were, you know. Um, so now I am doing a book tour, and um, the reason I brought it up also is because Paul said you have to get out there. He said fans love it when you meet them. It, it makes mm-hmm. you real to them, and it makes them feel, you know, validated and. Um, so that I, I really love that about Kiss is that they are loyal to their. I mean, they're out there now doing, I guess, their farewell tour. I mean, <laughs> how guess. many people? How many times have you heard this? Is they should people should go out there because everybody's doing now their final, you know, their final yeah. swan song. 
They should put it at the beginning before the tour. They should say, no, this time we really mean it. The final tour. Of <laughs> yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, but they're going everywhere. And I've seen some of the footage and photos and stuff. And it's like unbelievable. I mean, the, the size of the audiences and yep. popularity, it's just, it's bigger than it's ever been. And mm-hmm. how many bands can do that or say that, you know? It's true. It's true. Yeah. It's very true. Yeah. I guess the, Ozzy was going to do one. He had to cancel. They yeah. He just had a, he, doing their final tour, but they did their final tour. What? 20 years ago. Right. Yep. They're pulling, a, they're, they're pulling a kiss. The who <laughs> Eagles. Yep. You name it. They all yep. have done fa- farewell. Steven, tours, uh, Aerosmith's doing their yeah. Final. They just yeah. announced that too. Yep. So, um, yeah, Brendan's a great guy. He asked us, he's like, Hey, uh, can I, can I do like a sponsorship or an advertise? I'm like, what are you trying to do? And he's like, uh, Holly Knight, I'm like, listen, we've been kind of talking with Holly. It's fine. We'll just read it for you. And he yeah. gave us this thing to read. So we read it the last couple of weeks and people, and we have a lot, a few of our listeners that are in the area that have already stated they're going to come down and see. They're going to be there. Oh, yep. Awesome. So yep. I'll make sure they said they would wear a shout it out loudcast t-shirt. So they they want to make it, make sure they get a photo with you because we'll yes. put it up on the website and stuff. That yeah. would be fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I want to bring up to you though, and I, I, Tom knows this expression that I've said. If someone said, I who do you trust to write a song that you would love? I would always say Paul Stanley. I guarantee you, because I love Kiss so much that I can understand. He writes the catchiest hooks, the catchiest chorus, those earworms that stay with you, that get you to hum them and sing them like the turn on the nights or the hide your hearts. And you get those courses going. There's something about what Paul does more so than Gene that has those catchy hooks in courses. It may be simple, but it's fun. Mm-hmm. It makes you feel good. You don't have to overanalyze it. It's there for fun. And I think that's those kiss lyrics. I know we laugh at sometimes they're really stupid, but sometimes that simple hooky song that stays with you is you know is better than that i don't know poetry one that somebody wrote that's so brilliant oh, that no one understands yeah rock and roll you know? rock and roll that's right it's not supposed to be nice and tidy and neat and yep. you know. and i think paul does it better than anybody for yep. me it works because he's that amazing um so tom i'll leave the last one with you yeah, no, I think it's, it's I mean, we could talk to you forever, but we want people to buy the book. We want people to read the book. The book is I Am the Warrior, My Crazy Life, Writing the Hits, Rocking the MTV 80s. Holly has told you just a tip of the iceberg of these stories. The book is spectacular. Her career is even more spectacular. Buy the book. And if you're in the area of Tempe, go see Holly. Go see our buddy. Go visit his bookstore. Holly Knight, you're the best. Thank you so much for spending all this time with us talking your book and, of course, talking Kiss. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. I just wanted to say a few things. I am. Please do. Some East Coast book signings, too. I'm doing one at Bookends in New Jersey, which is a really cool rock and roll place. They, you know, they have a lot of rock and roll writers come to do something there and I'll do New York. And I also did an audio book, which I narrated. And what's. Oh, Excellent is that it has original demos that have never been released before snippets of like the best, the warrior. Oh, nice. Touch, Invincible loves the battlefield. So it's got that, which is kind of cool. I also very wanted cool. to say that um, I was very lucky because Tina Turner wrote the forward yeah. to it. And yes. My goodness. Yeah. 
because we had a really special really she actually cut nine of my songs mm. that's amazing um, i know and so that was just a nice way for me to sort of with everything that's happened in the last few months and everything yeah um, it's more special to me now than ever of course and uh you know you know what there's so many things going on in the world that rock and roll and music it's all good fun and i think that you know sometimes if fans are offended by something I say or whatever. It's like, we all need to just have a light touch and laugh at each other and ourselves. I mean, mm-hmm. it's really, when you think of the serious things in life, you know, I mean, I, this is my life. I love it. I love what I do. I've been very lucky um, because, you know, I would have done it for free, but as it turned out, I didn't have to, as I said. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yep. Um, and, but like, you know, just to sort of have nice debates without getting all ape shit and everything. Sure. That's the so, kiss fans, buddy. You it has nothing to do with you. They're always like about, that. Uh, I don't even want to give him promotion. I don't remember his name, but he actually made a YouTube page and said that, um, that I bashed Peter Chris, which wasn't true at all. I didn't even really Nonsense. know. Peter was the one that I didn't know. I know. Right. It, was just a, it was like a meathead comment, you know? <laughs> They're oh, out there. Now there a, I went insulting him again. No, they're out there. We have a term for that on this show, but we won't use it. We won't you. use it. Yeah. yeah, but it's okay. <laughs> but, hey, real quick though, are you uh, by any chance hitting Boston or New England oh, at all? I would love to. What's the bookstore there? What's the good? Oh, geez. I, I mean, there's the the biggest the biggest ones around here are probably like Barnes and Noble. They're all over the Boston yeah, no, area. I mean, like a, you must have a cool indie one though. Like that's what it is. That's so cool about changing hands or bookends or I just did. I I. Last night. I, I that's not my forte. You Holly. guys yeah. don't read? Oh, I do, but I buy all my I books on Amazon. You gazillion- online, you know? See, that's the, that's the depth of uh, Yeah, those are all my books up there, my Everything has sort of been <laughs> turned into streaming. Yeah. No, we re- we read, but we I, I go to I will I go, probably I go to, come to Boston. I would yeah. love to. Awesome. I was invited to Vermont, so Ooh, okay. New York and New Jersey, Boston. You know, I lived in Boston for years. Yes. Well, yeah, in the book. Yeah, that's I right. Squatted, I squatted in Boston and on oh. Com Ave. That's right. Yep. Nice on nice. Com Ave. Yeah, yep. we read that whole part in the book. I yep. found it fascinating. You said your mom would, although you guys aren't Greek, you got your mom would listen to Greek music and she would buy it. Like, yeah, at the cash register, it's like I'll buy this and bring it home. So I would be listening. I I just love music from all around the world because it kind of puts me in the mood. Like lately, all I listen to is cafe French music in the house. Like I don't listen wow. to rock. And so I feel like I'm in Paris, you know, so Greek music. I think I got that from growing up, you know, Japanese music, um, you know, gypsy music, Stephen wow. Buffelli and Wow. You know. Well, you learn music from everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Music nice. Great music is great music. I almost forgot. You did a song with Ozzy that never got released. Mm-hmm. Is it out there anywhere? I did oh. a search. I'm like, is it one of those, you know, like bootlegs that he may have had or maybe a, like no, a demo? No, you know, he, he actually cut it. I mean, he had a master version of it. Yeah, that's why I was thinking. On the phone, but he wouldn't send it to me or I would have that. But I have the demo that we did, but I've never, no one's ever heard it. I will sue you if you ever do that. <laughs> I do not want to get on Sharon's back. Yeah, side. No, yeah nobody well. does. <laughs> yeah, right. She's a lovely, I mean. We we got a, we were totally simpatico as I wrote in the book, but um, I would imagine that that would piss her off. And I, she's I, a tough woman. God bless her. I love yeah. that. I love that. I love that about her. I love yeah. the story that she sent Mike Chapman a, a box of shit. 
<laughs> that's true. Yes, that's a great story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she produced he produced Lita Ford and and the yep. duet that she did with Ozzy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and yep. he wasn't a big fan. She wasn't a fan of that. Unbelievable. Um, I mean, Mike, if you heard me say it's in the book. He, I, you know, he, I don't know if he's read it or not. I don't think he's read it. He said to send him a copy. And then I wrote him and I said, he's in England. I said, okay, what's your address? And he never got back to me. So I don't think he's had a ch- chance to read it. <laughs> I would really like to know what he thinks or the guys from Kiss. Actually, you know what happened? I told Paul about the book when it was coming out oh, mm-hmm. a few months ago. And um, so he knew about the book. And I thought he'd say, well, send it to me or something. And I didn't hear from him. And then he calls me up like a few months ago. And he said, Tommy Thayer was sitting there reading your book. And he said, it's out and it's doing well. And, and you didn't tell me that you were putting out a book. Oh, geez. I think, like, yeah, I did. He said, well, I need a copy. So I, that's when we had lunch and I gave him a copy. So I don't know if he's read it. I asked him if he read it and he's pretty busy, but he said he read some of it and that uh, he said it was great. Nice. Well, I think everybody, nice. everybody in your book, in the kiss, uh, kiss world, Came off looking good. I don't think there's anything negative. I think you were honest about everything. All the members, everybody that you interact, I think is pretty honest. You got along with them all. You're still friends with them all. You have no, like, yeah. they come across as, as fun, lovable guys. Paul, they are. I mean, Paul, you know, does too. they can be assholes, but so can I. Everybody can be an asshole, you know? That's a but, per, what a, that that's a statement right there because it's a hundred percent right. Yeah. You're <laughs> acting like an asshole. You're not an asshole, but you're acting like one. But you know okay. when you're really friends with someone, isn't it true that you can say you're acting like an asshole? Yes. And then yes. Maybe you don't talk for a while, and then you're best friends again. If they're really worth keeping, that's what makes the friendship stronger. Not that we we never fight. That's that's superficial. That's not life. You know. Yes. And you're great about that in your book that you'll say like, I had this, and it kind of left a little bit. But next time I saw them, all the stories okay. seemed to be that way that you, yeah. you picked up like nothing was even wrong. Bon Jovi. Yeah, even with Bon Jovi. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love and, John Barjo. We saw him reading what, this. I'm the, like, pool, the pool like, story. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> come on, John. You got to say something. But I all I've heard about him, he is super nice, super like, but like a work guy, serious about shit. And uh, it seems like you're all those things, of, but he's too serious sometimes. Yeah. And that yeah. your books proves that. Yes. I'm that, sort of like, yeah. I'm sort of like, come on. Can you loosen up a little bit, man? You know, like okay. I was, this was back in the eighties and I haven't done any drugs probably since then. I don't know. <laughs> 1990s. But it was the music business. I was, you know, it was saturating itself around me. And, but it's uh, funny. That's he never you... did any drugs. You know, neither did Paul or, or Gene. Right. Oh, oh yeah. They never, oh, yeah. They never touched so any. Yeah. They're so straight. They're so straight. And they're, their thinking isn't so straight. But, like, as far as yeah. you know, their habits and stuff, <laughs> I was the bad girl. I was the one that, like, couldn't But you kept it under control, though. Ace you was weren't... another story. Oh, yeah. please. Don't don't get us going about Ace. That's a whole other. Oh, my God. Honestly, like, you know, when I said in the book, this is, like, one of my greatest rock and roll memories, honestly, was – when he would come to pick Anton and I up to go out and party or whatever, he'd show up in the stretch limo. This dark window would come down. This hand would appear with a bottle of Dom Perignon in a paper bag or something. The, the fingers all encrusted with huge diamond rings. One said ace or skulls. 
And then I heard this laugh. He's known. I don't know if you've ever heard his laugh. But we have. Oh, yes. It's just so ridiculous. It's like the Joker. Yes. And I just remember that and thinking, this is rock and roll. This is quintessential rock and roll. This is spinal tap. This is everything. And I loved it. You know, I miss that. I, I yeah. Miss- I think everybody does. Hey, Holly, jump in the That's why Spinal Tap is so funny, too. <laughs> of course. It's so accurate. In fact, I think I went to see Spinal Tap. I did. I went to see it with Paul. With oh, wow. Interesting. I wonder if yeah, he was, like, he, squeaming. I didn't, think he was, I didn't think he thought it was that funny, though. Yeah, yeah that's a <laughs> lot of it probably hit home. <laughs> exactly. Yep. I mean, it's things in there, like that thing where they would sort of put their fists into, like, the middle and say, rock and roll. Let's go. <laughs> and then they couldn't find the front of the stage. That's actually happened to me. With oh, yeah. They keep yeah. running running down the hallway. And they can't hilarious. find where they're going. Yeah. Yeah. Any yeah. funny other ace stories you might have? We love um, ace stories. Yeah. Tell me a story about something I did, Holly. I don't remember much these days. <laughs> No, I had nice stories, but no, I got to know his wife, and I was there the day that uh, Monique, his daughter, was born. Oh, wow. Okay. And, then, okay. and then, like, years later, I went to see a Kiss concert, and there was this girl standing next to me. You know, we were sort of in an area where we got the ticket, so we're all sort of together. Yeah, comped. And this beautiful woman, I was just looking at her like, wow, she's really pretty. Um, she got the her world all ahead of her, and... Then I heard heard her say something about dad, and I looked at her like I said, "Is your name Monique?" And she said, "Yes, that's my dad up there." And I was just like, "Wow, time just whenever you see kids that were little kids, and then all of a sudden they're adults, that hits you yeah. harder than anything." I mean, I don't know if you have kids. Yes, we do. We do. Yep. Right there. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I got two sons. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Boys, I raised raised two boys. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was just it was just. You know, you look at all those guys and they all have kids now and everything. It's just so much more. I mean, if you don't sort of at some point become somewhat responsible and do the things that we that people, humans do, like having kids or having or if not having kids, having family. If you don't ever really sort of at some point grow up a little bit, it's kind of like silly, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. You can't live and die by the cross of rock and roll forever. Oof, well said. Wow. Holly, the book, I Am the Warrior. By the way, The Warrior is my favorite song of yours. Just That's just my opinion. Really? S- oh, I Scandal. Pe- that song is something, something cool? Yes, um, please. Okay, so I did an in-store event last night uh, at Book Soup. Yeah, yep. And I was getting ready to go down, and I got in my car, turned on the radio, and The Warrior was playing. And it was nice. at the chorus part. And it was like, victory is when I'm going... This is a sign, you know, yep. this is a sign that I can smile and feel good about what's going on in my life. This was nice. Like, but yeah. it's funny. You said that earlier, like all these wonderful songs you wrote, like the videos are all like fucked up. Oh, yeah. Because it's the 80s. Because the warrior was just so stupid. <laughs> yeah. Because like, it's the 80s. I mean, she's a beautiful woman. Yeah. And she was beautiful. And that like that era. And yeah. they like made her dress like a geisha girl. I don't know what the hell that was. She hates it too. I would have liked to have seen her in like just a t-shirt and ripped jeans. And oh, we all, I think we I all would have. Right? <laughs> and just ripped shirt like, too. What was so great about it? Yeah, I, I, I didn't understand why. You know, I don't know. Does that had dinner ties. 
It was the, the it, videos. Remember when they did Never and stuff? It was just all so fluffy and friendly. Oh, yes. Or that Animotion. Was the band called again? Yeah, Anim- Obsession, Animotion. That was fucked up, too. It's the 80s. Like, why are they serving hors d'oeuvres? <laughs> Guys should be in a corner shooting up and doing drugs, you know? Just. <laughs> but the music is there, and they're all written by this great songwriter, I'm not Holly Knight. Shooting, shooting up, but you know what I'm saying. Of course. Of course. Um, I will say one one final thing. My yes. Favorite, okay. It's not a dedication, but it's like sometimes you'll see in a book, you'll see like a phrase or a quote. And I think this one just really, I love it. I think it captures me and it's like, you can't feed me to the wolves. They come when I call. Mm. I think that's kind of how I felt like just navigating through the man cave and the music business. I have a wolf actually, um, which is my dog, Electra. She's left the room, but um, yeah. And it has a sword too, you know. Um, nice. It's very empowering. The whole yep. book, the story. It's a great uh, story for young girls to listen to, to read, to see what you had to go through and all your triumphs, because this is a feel good story. And it it's totally, it's totally. a love letter to the eighties and the craziness yep. before everything got all dark. And- I keep saying like, that's it, but I, I have more thought. It's I amazing know. though, that this book ends. It's funny because you talk about MTV and then you're like, just about like your music stuff and the songs you wrote for. And then you're like, and then it became the 90s. And then something called alternative rock took over and grunge. And then the rock stars that you wrote for, like it's a whole new era. Yep. And in addition to that, there goes MTV. The M- yep. the music in MTV is gone. That's and right. grunge is here. And the rock stars are kind of like out of fashion. And it's now like, hey, I, I dress like more of a bum than you. And that's the star. It, it's it's funny. And that's how this book is. This That 80s period, how much fun it was. And it kind of, everything mm-hmm. changes right in the 90s. Yeah, absolutely. And it was like, that's when I wrote my biggest song too. Like it just really capped it off. Yeah. Like this, the best is bigger now than it ever was back then. You know? Oh, yeah. Yep. I mean, they used it on uh, the uh, Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, was licensed for that. It was in, in the Macy's Day Parade this year for, or not parade, the fireworks, you know. Yep. Um, for the Tina Turner tribute. Um, it's been in Joe Biden's victory speech. Mm-hmm. It's a really cool on my website. That was Biden's victory speech? Really? Wow. Well, yeah. Not the, vi- not the, when he was inaugurated, but when he won the victory, yeah. it's in Oh, the- wow. There's a great, uh, on my website, which is hollynight.com, there is a great, it opens up with like a four-minute sizzle reel. Which is oh, amazing. cool. Wow. Yeah, you nice. Know, so everyone check that out. Where, where it was on three times, and it's got, it's just got South Park doing like a snippet of Love is About. So they did the whole song on the show. But um, it's a really fun sizzle reel. And the website awesome. Hollynight.com. Guys, got to buy the book, I Am the Warrior. Holly, thank you for your time. We really appreciate it. Holly, thank you so much. I'll stay in touch so that um, if if I do go to Boston and, and, and do a, a in-store event, you guys can, we can do another, we can do a part two. And Excellent. We'd love awesome. to. Thank you. Thank you, Holly. Thank you. All right, that was Holly Knight. Fantastic interview, of course. No surprises there. She cuts right to the chase, doesn't sugarcoat anything, just like us. Uh, talking about some great stuff involving Kiss, involving Pat Benatar, 
Uh, just really great stuff. I really liked talking to her about hide your heart and how she kind of was a fan of the ACE version and kind of giving him some, uh, some kudos on, on that version and, and just, just in general. And, uh, you know, really, I love talking to guests like this, just the ultimate insider in the music business. And, uh, she was so gracious in, in such a, in such a great interview. Uh, I was just like, wow, she yeah. is l- a legend, yep. not just in kiss world in the music world. Oh yeah. All the hits and these songs. I mean, I could just write, run them off. Yep. And be like, oh, what about this? What about this? I wanted to kind of keep it kiss-centric for my questions, but I did have a lot of stuff that I wanted to get to. And she's worked with you name it, Daryl yep. Hall, Ozzy Osbourne, yep, um, Tina Turner, of course. It just a ton of people in our returning champs kiss. And she's written a couple songs with the guys, uh, knows them well enough. Uh, was gracious enough to talk to us about all the details about her interactions with Kiss, whether it means her coming on uh, unmasked or her coming on to write the last couple songs from Psycho Circus and two of Tom's favorites. Yes, <laughs> and it was Go ahead. nothing better what than did, when she. There's no, wait, wait. What did you say? Wait, what did you say? There's nothing better than when she laughed <laughs> at Tom talking about. I really love. Um, what was it? Fucking, I pledge allegiance. I pledge allegiance. Yeah, they ripped that my song off. Remember, Ace was complaining. Yeah, yeah. ripped my song off. The pursuit of how, rock and roll. Yeah, what what did Holly say though? And I'm like, oh, I love raise your glasses and I pledge allegiance. I think she said it's fucking silly or stupid. no. She she goes that song's embarrassing. <laughs> 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 yeah, you know, but they're meatheads, so yeah, that's all right. I love her. Just no flies on her. Just I, it was just a what a fantastic interview. And to get an insider in the business and in her story of unmasked and what she thinks of the album and her honesty, you know, just I, I, that's the thing I love. Even though she's part of this and has written these songs, she's like, yeah, that's kind of embarrassing. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that album. Yeah, you know what? I don't like what Pat Benatar really did with Love Is a Battlefield. It's not what I expected. Just fantastic stuff. Re- really, really happy to have her on. The yeah. Show. And she is another songwriter we've had on. We had Adam Mitchell on. That's and that's love right. hearing about, like, you know, what it was like and who they wrote with and the behind the scenes stuff and hearing about her talking about, like, yeah, this one, you know, you get a third when I wrote this. Yep. And, and then the way it got presented. So, what do you think you should get? Should you get? She's like, fuck yeah, I should get it. Yep. And uh, it was just amazing to hear these things about these great songs and her input in it. And I just will have her back. She's awesome. Oh, yeah. Uh, she's uh, now a friend of the show. Yep. And uh, we wish her nothing but the best. I'm telling you guys, I, I, there, I'm, I'm major ADHD, if you guys can't tell. And this is one of the few books that I was able to like read all the way through. That's awesome. Every chapter yep. is nice and easy and fun, and you learn something. It's not about her talking that she met some violin instructor, and you're like, right, right. These are fucking huge stars. Every chapter is a different person, and uh, and you root for her. She's yeah. a badass, totally. And you know, yep. and and she is one of the women that made it through rock and with her head up high. So God bless her. We mm-hmm. think she's awesome. We wish her nothing but success. And you guys go out and get her book because it's really a great read. You guys will love it. Yeah, especially if you're the same 
generation as us talks about all the eighties, the MTV stuff, just great stuff. Yep. Yeah. Well, Tom, what we do next is we go to question of the week. You got one. All right. So our question this week comes from our buddy, Tony from restrained. Oh, what does he want? I'm telling you, Tony, we, we can, we can, we can get Tony away from the dark side. Also known as the what is, what, side, also known as the puny side. So what is it that we say about Tony? Yeah, he's great when he's not around Sonny. Exactly right. We can we we can continue working on this. Oh, uh, he says, "What's up? What's up, gents? I have a what if question for you. What if in 1978, instead of releasing four solo albums, Kiss released two team up records?" So instead of each member recording their own solo, two members would team up on a record. Which team-ups would you have liked to have seen? For me, I would have liked Paul with Peter and Gene with Ace. I think Peter could have helped Paul by singing the ballad-type songs like Hold Me, Touch Me, as his voice could sell it better than Paul. Ace could help keep Gene a little more focused on the rock stuff, and Gene could help Ace in the vocals department. Those are my thoughts. Love to know what you guys think. That's actually a really good. I love good questions, thoughtful, provocative questions. You sure that's from Tony? Tell, he is a thoughtful, hard rock guitarist musician from Restrained, with anyway, a Y. Yeah, he's got a lot of videos out there lately. I've been noticing uh, some Restrained videos he's doing. So good for him. So follow him. I know we give him shit every once in a while, but go oh, listen love to Tony him. and Restrained. Go to yeah. go to Restrained. Go get yep. a couple of their new albums. Go to him. Yep. Uh, and send him around and listen to him and get help a brother out, would you, Tony? <laughs> you got a couple bucks, maybe give me a couple couple of your demos. <laughs> anyway, um, if I had a peer, so are you saying like pairing them up, meaning Peter's solo and Paul's solo together? And then no, 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 forget no, no, no. So so instead instead of making four individual records. They're going to pair up, and, and this pair is going to make an album, and this pair. Okay, is so we don't know what the outcome no, is. No, he's saying he's saying he liked Paul and Peter and Gene and Ace. See, the thing is, it's funny because I don't think there's anything of Paul and Ace singing. There is Ace and Gene. It's my life. Yep. Peter has done things like with Paul Black Diamond, and with Gene with uh, Nothing to Lose. So I think Peter can go with either one of them. I think so too. All right. I just, I don't see how you may be right. I don't see how Ace and Paul like help each other at all. No, nope. but I think Ace and Gene might have a good give and take. And then Paul and Peter, we know they can do something great. Yeah. I think, I think Tony said it perfectly. I th- uh, you can't have Peter and Gene do a record because that would just, that would not make sense musically because of their their individual backgrounds don't gel. Well, that's I not think, true. They come up with nothing to lose together. No, no, no. I, I know, but I'm saying I, I just I, I just think their backgrounds are not quote unquote rock enough to give the fans what they want. You know what I mean? So, and obviously you're not going to have Paul and Gene because that would be like a Kiss record. And I like you said, I don't think you're going to have Ace and Paul. So I think the best blending is what is what what Tony said is is Peter with Paul and Ace with Gene. I think that would I think that would have been great. Yeah, the only thing I would think of is I think Peter can go with either one of them. I really or do. I think I think a great matchup would have been. I mean, but this also would have resulted in Paul and Gene. If you threw Ace and Peter together, 
That'd be the worst fucking album. Exactly. That's my point. Imagine the fucking lyrics on that. There's nothing better than Snow Blind. (laughs) (laughs) The fuck? (laughs) Hey, Peter. What what rhymes with glad? Uh, I don't know, fuckle, like sad? Perfect. Let's, Let's make a song from that. Here's a riff. Okay, let's fucking try it out. Dude, those lyrics and songs would be horrendous. Uh, Paul could like craft a catchy song and have Peter sing it. I agree. See, yeah. the thing is, though, like, I think Peter's voice can go with anybody because he can make a good song just because his voice and that rap. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I, if I had to guess, because I just I can't see Ace and and Paul together. No well, way. And again, no now that I think about it, they did do something together. That horrendous cover on on uh, Origins. What was that? That fire and oh, water. Fire, fu- yeah. Oh, Fucking gosh, terrible yeah. song. Terrible performance. How did how did Ace get Paul to do that? Oh my god. Hey, you want to look like a star and play with me? <laughs> god, he. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. But great question, Tony. Thank you for uh, submitting it. And for anybody that's interested in having a question right on the show, please. Submit your questions. Best way is email. And we always say this. We got our mailbag coming up every year, coming up in the fall usually. So fire off those questions. We read one every week. And uh, if we don't get to yours, we're banking it. And maybe we'll get it to the mailbag or a future episode. Tom, tell people where they can find us. Go to our website for everything. Shout it out loudcast.com. All of our episodes are there. Shout it out loudcast, ARC, Dorm Damage, Zeppelin Chronicles, Links to our Amazon merch, links to our Amazon store, social media links, everything. You can send us messages directly from the website. We receive them in the form of an email. So please, that's the best place. Go there. And if you want to do the old fashioned email, go to him. Go to him. And if you want to do the old fashioned email, do that. Shout it out loudcast at gmail.com. We read every single email that you send us. Believe me, sometimes we don't get to them on the show, but trust me, Zeus and I read every email and we usually talk about them amongst ourselves. And if we can't get to them on the show, we apologize for that, but your emails do not go to waste. We read them. Uh, And of course, our social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and threads. Yes, because we're cool kids. We're hip. We're on threads now. I don't know what the fuck that is, but go ahead. And of course, a huge shout out to our patreon family which we absolutely adore with a special shout out this week to our three new family members mark freddie and john you guys rock and we always like to say that we are a proud member of the pantheon podcast network of shows yeah i always like to tell people they can dm us on twitter facebook instagram subscribe to our youtube channel uh, that is always growing, and the feedback on that is fan-fucking-tastic. i got to be mm-hmm. honest with you. Yep. And give us one of those five-star child reviews. Those are a great help to us. Uh, when you do give us a five-star a child review, we always read it on the air and give a shout-out. So go to Apple Podcast. Make sure you hit five, not one, and uh, <laughs> give us one of those great reviews. It's a big help to us. Yep. And, you know, just like we talk about, Patreon's a big help. Giving us a five-star child review is a big help. Go to our Amazon store. Go into merch. Go to shoutoutloudcast.com. Go to him. I was just going to say uh, Go to him. All those things are a great way to help the show. 
And finally, we always like to say you can email us at shoutoutloudcast at gmail.com, shoutoutloudcast at gmail.com, and go to our website, shoutoutloudcast.com, shoutoutloudcast.com. And we always like to leave with famous last words. Do you have any? Of course I do. Well, of course I do. And I hate that. I've been a rebel for all my life. I never cared about regulations. I only went for the things I liked. And my guitar was my inspiration. Settle the fuck down. Hey, yeah, Holly Knight. We stop at nothing. Even climbed barbed wire. We struck a match and set the world on fire. And if we tried, we couldn't get much higher. Now, there's nothing better than raise your glasses. (laughs) God almighty. Oh, boy. Holly Knight, Tom, Loudcasters, Kiss Army. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. It was an honor to have you on. Uh, We appreciate it. And it was fan-fucking-tastic. Holly Knight, thank you so much for your time and the conversation. It was amazing. Fantastic. Get the book. I am the warrior. Loudcasters, Patreons, Zeus, as always, my friend, thank you. Peace out, Girl Scout. Because it's personal business. It's my personal private business. Well, Brian, it doesn't sound like you're doing any business. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.